And like I said uh, before, um, just for fun, sometimes uh, I'll put together a crazy random quiz to liven up some things. And so I made one, but it's not uh, not a big deal. And it's there's no Are you uh, sure. Yeah, there's no money involved, and uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, bummer, man. <laughs> what are the rules? Is it a family show? <laughs> That's a good question. Everyone asks that question. I wonder why. Uh, I don't know. You just never know. Yeah, uh, I would say you can feel free to, uh, you know. You use the occasional obscenity if you want to. I usually drop <laughs> okay. a marker and then bleep them for the for the actual uh, podcast that goes out on iTunes. But I really only do that because I think it's funny, not because I have any moral <laughs> objection to obscenity. All right, that's cool. You can put them in there if you think uh, you know if it makes it sound funny. I don't know uh, if you guys have ever seen the bleeped out count on YouTube, but that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, I guess I should, uh, it's the live and everything. Um, Hey, uh, if you're listening live or if you're listening to a recording, uh, welcome to Montreal sauce on this podcast. We talk to creators, makers, uh, artists, and anyone who says, can I be on the show, Chris? Um, (laughs) the point is, uh, everybody has a story and we like to, uh, we like to find out about people. Um, and speaking of, uh, I just said, but my name is Chris. Um, I'm basically the Tonto of this podcast, and our uh, Lone Ranger is the one laughing right now, and that's Paul. Paul, say hi to our terribly attractive audience. (laughs) Hello. You're looking very lovely today. Oh, he's such a flirt. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And with us tonight, we've got a friend from my acting days, uh, Andy Luther. And uh, Andy, we're not a fancy NPR show, so why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our audience? Tell them what you do, what you like. Well, uh, my name's Andy Luther, to start off, I guess. Uh, I am a uh, Chicago actor. I've been in Chicago for about uh, eight years now. And uh, I've been doing a lot of storefront theater and some film and TV and things. And uh, I also run a small contracting business where I hire actors and try to give them a, a viable skill besides waiting tables because as you get older, being a 40-year-old waiter is not the, the greatest thing to be doing just because you get strange looks. But um, <laughs> but for the most part, I mean, uh, as far as what I like to do, I mean, my life pretty much resolves, revolves around uh, theater and uh, trying to get the next gig and also trying to make connections with people that I like to work with. That's the one thing that's changed from, you know, being in my 20s where I would work with anyone. And, you know, so it's and it's also like being very patient with myself and taking it slow. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I remember uh, Andy and I went to the local community college together and uh, – yeah. And we did a lot of plays together, and um, and then all of us. Yeah, we were, were like, like one of like what four actors or whatever. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting all the time, but no, no. Yeah, it was like how big was our theater group? It was probably about five or six of us that got cast all the time, and then there was the occasional brave soul that we let play with us every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the great thing about the Muskegon Community College was so many universities and colleges are just like. This is a student show. And the community college was like, um, we're a community college, so uh, we probably don't have enough actors for a show. So anyone can 
come to yeah. auditions. So we always had like the awesome experience of working with maybe actors that were probably more trained and better than us because they had been doing it for years. And so I always thought that was really awesome. Yeah. And frightening too. But yeah. I think we were too young to know that we weren't that good at that time too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause we were young pompous actors. So we were like, Oh, um, so you had to come to a community college to do a play. I guess your acting career is doing well, huh? <laughs> oh yeah but uh yeah looking back as a, an older person now i'm just like oh those those people like probably helped uh, me develop uh, some of my uh technique and things or you know yeah i would have never gone to new york had it not been i, I think it was carlos Pataro put the idea in my head and uh it just seemed like the right thing to do after i mean because that's pretty much when you and i started to lose touch with each other for a little while is when I moved to New York. Right. I was going to ask you about that because, I mean, basically I was just starting to say we went to school together and then um, while the rest of us were like, uh, what do we do? Um, you were like, I'm off. I'm going to be an actor. And we were like, wait, what? <laughs> so <laughs> was it New York and you went to the acting studio? Was that the school you went to? Yeah, which is a uh, it's a Meisner based training program, and uh, I went there for two and a half years, and uh, it's still to this day probably where I think I got the core of my training. And one of the things I always take with me that they they would tell me there is like, okay, we're going to teach you everything you need to know in two and a half years, but it's going to take twenty years to master it. And I feel like I finally know what they were talking about a little bit because I'm probably on, what, 19 years now? So <laughs> I feel like I, I've got a pretty good idea what I'm doing with it now. But it's, uh, yeah, community college days and then going straight to New York. That was kind of – New York was the wake-up call for me. Like it kind of let me know I had to take it seriously. So but it wasn't right. all fun and games anymore. No, I remember. I remember you coming back and saying like – the typical New York story, but it was like, I'm living in a studio apartment that's like not any bigger than the closet I had at home. Yeah, it, it, I think my, oh man, my first my first apartment was 13 feet by 8 feet. And <laughs> yeah, it was so small. And <laughs> the cockroaches and the rats that were in that place were pretty amazing. Because I was living on Park Avenue though, man. I, was, I thought I was living the high life. It was what, 97th Street and Park Avenue. It's basically where all the, you know, the upper class people walk their dogs. But uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a, uh, it was a classy address. Not so much the apartment though, because it was a shared apartment. So I had to share a kitchen and a bathroom with the guy that lived across the hall, which huh. was, you know, and is still a good friend of mine to this day. And this guy owns like six restaurants in New York now, and he's got like little hostel things. And when I go back to New York, he puts me up in these hostels. Uh, so I don't have to, you know, pay for a hotel room or anything like that when I go back to shoot a small film or something like that. Well, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, you got to have those connections, man. If you're going to do low budget uh, SAG films, like I try to do a lot of. So, <laughs> so, so uh, back to the acting studio. Um, what what exactly for our audience and perhaps for an older person who has forgotten most of his acting? What is the Meisner technique? Well, it's uh, basically it derives from Stanislavski. It's like Stanislavski for uh, American actors. And uh, Stanislavski, if you don't know, is kind of the guy who 
fathered modern realism with uh, Chekhov. He directed a lot of Chekhov's plays. And uh, it's the acting technique that we're most affiliated with today. It's realism, naturalism, I guess, as you would say on stage. So, And it's amazing how you know difficult it is to actually try to be yourself on stage because we're so used to associating acting with playing a character. And it tends to come off as false. And what they teach you at the school is just try to be who you are in every role. You know, find that morsel of truth, they would call it. And then, you know, that that one small thing you have in common with the character and then learn how to blow it up so that it can, you know, become a Mm. character other than yourself. But uh, like I said, to this day, I mean, I've I've been through a couple of university programs as well. And that was in New York at the acting studio was the most immersive training that I've had. It was very conservatory style. Um, They were pretty stringent on attendance and, you know, being late and things like that. There were a lot of penalties. So it was tough to make it through the program. I think there was, I want to say, 18 of us when we started and three when we graduated. So, you know, a lot of people get weeded out. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I was elite. I think I I was just able to take the most abuse. So that's why I was one of the last three standing. (laughs) I was like, this is nothing. (laughs) Give me more. I love it. (laughs) Graduating on pure tenacity, really. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't even get a graduate, like anything that you could take to a university and say, this is the credit I have. You know, it's. uh, Sure. It's, you know, it's a non-accredited program, but still, like I said, it's the best training I've ever had because it's people who, like, they, they've lived and breathed the art forever. The guy that I studied under, and I think every Meisner actor says this, but uh, they always talk about the lineage from Meisner, and this guy was one of his assistants, so I always felt like I was pretty close to the tree there learning the technique, so, but as far as the technique is concerned, Chris, you were asking, I'm sorry, I I go off all the time on different tangents, but uh, the technique is basically, like I said, it's just learning how to act natural in very unnatural circumstances and focusing and, you know, learning your lines uh, so by rotely that you don't have to think about all the other things going around you. You can just focus on the person across from you. Nice. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, that's one of the things like you, you said it, it sounds kind of silly, but it is really hard to bring reality and uh, a naturalness to a, a theater character because you also have like the director shouting at you like that gesture needs to be bigger because the people in the back row need to see that, exactly. you know, so you don't feel yeah. natural when you're doing these yeah. weird things. <laughs> I remember Jack, he, he'd always say, uh, Jack Rice, he'd be like, why are you talking to the floor? no one's going to hear hear you if you're talking to the floor yes i I didn't even know i didn't even know what he was talking about jack rice uh was uh, a history professor i think um at Mm -hmm. mcc and then uh he directed a bunch of plays and actually for me uh when i was in a one of his plays um i had to play it was uh it was called on the verge and these women sort of travel through time and uh my stepmother was in that play with you man (laughs) that's right mary was in that play and uh they encounter mr coffee who was what like joe dimaggio (laughs) or something like that and uh so they wanted me in a white tux 
And so the costume department pulls out this white tux jacket and they're like, wow, this actually fits you. Done. So <laughs> at a dress rehearsal, I'm standing up there with a white tux and uh, and Jack is like watching the show. Stop, stop. Everyone stop, 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 stop. And we're like, oh, God, what did we do wrong? And he comes up to the stage and he's like, Chris, come here. I was like, oh, man, what's going on? And he pulls me down and he like pulls the lapel open and looks inside and he's like, oh, my God, this was my jacket I donated to the theater. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK. And then he was like, uh, you know what? I have some more clothes that I need to get rid of. You're, you come to my house Saturday at 4 p.m. See you then. OK, let's resume. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and he ended up giving me like a couple suits. And of course, they were like terribly dated. And I was like, what am I going to do with these? But I couldn't say no because it was Jack, man. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You might you, you might not get cast in the next play. He was he was pretty he was the most popular director there, I would say. Right. I mean, I don't want to, you know, rank them per se, but he I think he and Carlo directed the most plays. I know Richard probably took on one a year, but yeah. uh yeah, he was always the one that uh, scared me the most, I think. Or I wanted to impress the most, I guess I should say. Yeah, I would agree with you there for sure. Yeah. So you uh, pursued more education, I saw, like you went to Illinois State as well? Uh, yeah, but before that I went to Western Michigan University in their theater performance program. And I went there when I was 27. Uh, so that was kind of awkward because, uh, well – the funny story is, is when I, I left for New York, I never actually got my associate's degree from uh, Muskegon Community College. And uh, so I just kind of left, never checked my credits, never, never did an audit or anything like that. And then, you know, five years of being in New York, I was like, oh, my gosh, I've got to do something. I don't have a degree. I don't have any, you know, skills to shop around to get a real job. And so I started to apply for colleges, and I applied to Michigan State, and then I applied to Western Michigan University. And this is like two weeks before they were starting their sessions. And uh, so I had to get a quick audit from uh, Muskegon Community College, and I was originally a culinary arts major or a hospitality management major. I can't even remember, but they compiled all my credits, and I was taking a class, a statistics class, because that's what I needed to finish up my culinary degree. Right in the middle of the class, I get the audit. And I, cause I hated statistics. I was like, what is the point of this class? And, uh, I, I get the information from the auditor and saying that, you know, if, if you'll take an associates of arts degree, you've already graduated. And I was like, teacher, sign me out right now. So I got my <laughs> associates and that allowed me to transfer to Western, uh, with a new GPA, which helped me out quite a bit. Cause I was taking school a little more seriously at the age of 27 than I was at 18 and 19 years old. And, uh, was well, the first year I went there for uh, teaching, or first semester, I should say, and I was kind of, I had given up acting, and I was just going to teach uh, communications is the degree I was going for. And uh, they had uh, a New York, uh, well, the guy was Leon Inglesrud from uh, City Company in New York, and they're a fairly popular theater company with Ann Bogart. Uh, she's the the founding member of them, and they do a lot of viewpoints and Suzuki training and things like that. And I saw they they had a posting to audition for it, and I was like, oh boy, here we go. So I just went in and auditioned, and of course I got a part because I'm reading for thirty year olds, and I'm a twenty seven year old. 
and, and I'm reading up against 18 year olds and they're like, Oh, somebody with age. And I ended up playing like a 50 year old guy in the play, but <laughs> that's, that's what I did at Western was I got to play all the 50 year old guys. So, but I had some good parts. It was fun. I got cast every semester, but after that first semester of communications, I just kind of felt the theater calling me back. So I eventually joined the theater department and they enticed me with the scholarship and I was like, all right, here we go. So after that, I kind of knew I was headed for grad school at that point. So, and that's, that's how I got to ISU after that. So. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. We had, we had, uh, after we lost touch, we had very similar (laughs) college experiences for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I, Why did you did you go to Western at the same time I did or something and we never talked to each other? No, no, but I ended up at, at uh, Grand Valley State, uh, like oh, okay. twenty seven year old or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I think school's so. a lot better when you're older. I mean, gosh, when you know graduating from high school and then having to decide what you were going to do. Uh, it was so tough for me, and I, I think that's why I kind of pushed towards acting because it was the only thing that I really worked at. The rest of it was like, oh, I'm just not interested in this. And it was fun. It was fun to do. But uh, it was also fun when it became more of a job, too. So, yeah, it's, uh, same for me. I mean, honestly, my first semester out of high school, I didn't register for classes because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And the family mm-hmm. and everyone was like all over me. And so I actually got cast because they accepted community members in MCC plays. So I did like two plays in the semester, even though I wasn't in classes. I <laughs> remember because you were kind of like the guru that you had to beat out for roles. And I, I know we were in a lot of shows together, but I always remember, oh, great, Chris is reading for this. I don't have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you know? which, which from like an auditioning standpoint is like, that's one of the reasons probably why I haven't actually like made that leap to try acting again, because like acting was like so clicky. It was like great when I was the guru and you had to walk in and think that, but then like 10 years later when I walk into an audition and like everybody just looks at me and continues talking to themselves and says like, (laughs) do you want me to read with these people to the director? Cause they're on first name basis. You're just like, okay, I'm going to go cry now. Yeah, that's, you know, I got to be careful what I say, but <laughs> it, it, it doesn't get any different, man. It's, it's like I said, it's it's always about, you know, networking and working with people that you like to work with and building relationships because it's hard to just walk into that room and win a part because you're always competing with someone the director has in mind or that they've been working with for 20 years. So it's like you've got to be something special if you're going to get them to change their mind. So, but it yeah. does happen, you know does happen but not very often yeah after the audition and when you find out you didn't get the part then you like go home and say well he knew that other person and he didn't know me so he's probably afraid i wouldn't show up to rehearsal or something otherwise i would have totally been cast (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) then you go to the play and you're like i could have done that yeah exactly i could have done that famous acting words i could have done that better yeah, wasn't that – I think that's a joke I took I, – I still use it today that I learned at MCC. Is like, oh, what is it? How many actors does it take to screw in a light bulb? And it's it only takes one, but 50,000 other ones sit in the audience and say, I could have done that. I could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say like um, 
I feel a bit biased, so I want to get this from someone else. And maybe I am wrong, but you did start out by saying that uh, probably uh, between um, MCC and maybe uh, the acting studio is really where you sort of um, really learned your chops. Like, do you think, I mean, obviously the other steps along the way, like uh, ISU and uh, Western were helpful but um, I always feel a little bit partial to MCC, like especially when I was uh, a little bit older and I would go to plays at Grand Valley or Western. I'd be like, wow, I did not know what I had at MCC. Like that was a really tight program. Yeah, it was and more so than anything else. It was nurturing. I never felt like if anything, if I was nervous or afraid to do something on stage, it was it was a limitation I was creating for myself. You know, Jack and Carlo, and even even Richard, and then um, who's the backstage woman that used Sue. to yell at us? Sue, yes. Oh my goodness, uh, they were all so supportive of what we were doing. You know, it's like you felt like you could do no wrong, and. You know, I went through a period in New York where I was just like, "Oh my God, what am I doing? Why did I choose this career?" Because you know that's where you start to get beat down, you know, and and you you learn to do it, uh, I guess, more correctly. I guess you know, the biggest teacher for me is just life itself. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. Just learning to observe people. I mean, I'm a horrible date because I, I go out to dinner, you know. And I watch other people, like eavesdrops on, on conversations, and I just like fantasize about like, oh, they're in a fight, you know, they must be talking about this or that or the other thing. So, I mean, it's just a crazy imagination, but and you're like, oh, I can use that on stage, you know, and that's the the biggest thing is just like observing and trying to imitate like what actually happens in life. So, yeah, the uh, the key typing next to me just stopped, and I got to look. So. Oh, yes, oh. the wife thinks the same about me. She's oh, always really? <laughs> talking to me in restaurants, and I was like, "What'd you say?" Sorry, those people over there—they're like, I think she. This is like a first date, and. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you see that? She she's going to the bathroom already. She doesn't. She doesn't like him. <laughs> she took her phone. Yeah, she's texting her friends. Yeah, my I'll wife right absolutely loves people watching. That's her favorite thing to do when we go out on dates. Oh wow. She's an actress. Watch <laughs> it's, out. It's true. Paul's wife. We used to, Paul used to do a podcast where he would literally bring uh, um, an iPod and some microphones into a restaurant and we would just record ourselves talking during dinner. And uh, Paul's wife would like, there's like so many shows where I think we're in the middle of talking about our favorite TV <laughs> show. And Paul's wife is like, oh my God, look at that girl's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. uh, what is your favorite TV show now? Both of you guys. I'm always looking for a new series to crash on Hulu, so that's how I spend my weekends. Uh, my favorite right now would probably be Orphan Black. Really? I haven't heard of that one. I'm going to write it down. That is a, that's a great pick. It's a really um, good show. It's a really good show. It's uh, BBC America. I don't know if it's on Hulu or not, but it's been uh, – it's it's really great. I mean it's – it, it breaks a lot of rules. I feel like there isn't like a formula like, okay, we're going to do this before commercial. Dun, dun, dun. And 
And like mm-hmm. I was telling Paul, like every episode, like the story moves forward. There's not a lot of like filler episodes. Like we're not going to touch the normal plot because we want to do that on Sweeps Week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We want to. We can't do that because we want it to last seven years. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Will Maddie so, and Dave ever hook up? I don't know. <laughs> not as long as we keep selling soap. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, what do they call it in TV? Jumping the shark when the the two like main characters uh, finally fall in love and they're together. It's like okay, that's the expiration date. They've got a year left or two years if they're really good. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that happened with Newsroom. Like after the third show for me, I was like, no, it's a soap opera. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I hope yeah. you guys, you know, I didn't ruin that Newsroom for you, but. <laughs> no, I've heard that it's good, but I a, a lot of that stuff. Um, what's the political one that uh, everyone really likes on Netflix? House of uh, Cards. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I love Kevin Spacey, but like it just like some of that. Like you get so much politics in your day to day life. I'm like, I don't know if I need it in my fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it does just work you up, man. I had to stop watching all the the cable news networks, even the liberal ones, because I'm pretty liberal, but um, just shutting them off because you find yourself getting so mad about stuff like you really don't have that much control over. At least you feel that way. But yeah, uh, House of Cards for me, it was just uh, it was it left you feeling disgusting every night, (laughs) especially after (laughs) the second season. You were just like, oh, my God, this can really happen. But. Oh, well, I guess that's what the arts are for, right? To show us uh, where the boat's headed sometimes. This is true. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I saw in your, um, in, uh, what was it? Probably your LinkedIn page that you did some Shakespeare festivals in Illinois as well, huh? Yeah, that was part of the grad program. So it was a two-year intensive program where we went, Two years straight, there was no breaks. Uh, two years master's program, I should say. They're usually three years. But uh, part of our summer credits were that uh, we had to be the guys that you know hold the spears and say the one lines and run off and be the robbers and stuff like that. And uh, the second year, I ended up getting cast really, really well. There was this director from Texas that like fell in love with one of my auditions. And he didn't have anybody in mind for the roles. And I ended up playing both of the Dromeos in... Uh, what is it? Uh, Comedy of Errors. So that that to me to this day, as far as Shakespeare is concerned, was the biggest challenge. I think I lost like twenty pounds during that role. Mm. But uh, playing two characters, because there's a famous scene at the end where they see each other. So it was like this little trick we had to do with hats and spinning around, and it was very vaudevillian. And that was a <laughs> lot of fun for me. I thought I was in the big time after that, and then I moved to Chicago and got knocked back down again. So. <laughs> 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 that's the thing about school man you leave being the top dog and you're like i'm gonna take the world and then you walk outside and somebody punches you in the face as soon as you open the door <laughs> yes you're like all right it's gonna be a little more difficult than i thought yes i i'm uh i'm impressed like uh definitely shakespeare was one of my like least favorite things but it's probably so because uh they chose to do like I don't know four Shakespeare plays when I was at MCC. So <laughs> yeah, well, because it is tough to do, man. I mean, that role 
that I worked on, I, I was fortunate enough to be cast in December. And then, you know, one of my elective courses for my master's degree was just, I, I got one of the acting teachers and myself in a classroom for two to three hours uh, twice a week where we just worked on those roles. Because I didn't know anything about, you know, poetry and using the punctuation. And, and most of the comedic characters that I play are always in prose. It's not the, you know, the strict iambic pentameter and things. You know, I don't get cast in serious roles very much. I'm a cast uh, character actor, which I love. But uh, the prose stuff is equally difficult. And, but the one thing that helped me love Shakespeare, everybody always says they love Shakespeare, especially actors, you know, <laughs> I love it. But uh, the thing that I really like about it is after you learn how to use the punctuation uh, to your advantage and, and – trying to make it natural, you bring that to a contemporary script and you just tear it to shreds. It's so easy. One of the things I love to do in auditions is cold readings. I'm like, give me pages, you know, cause you know, and show me some punctuation. That's one of the things that I despise because a lot of playwrights nowadays seems like they're playing with, you know, punctuation formats and everything because they want actors to kind of come up with their own choices. But in doing that, I feel like they're kind of limiting actors' choices because you're, you're sitting there, you're just making random choices. You know, you'll get a sentence that seems like a run-on sentence with no punctuation in it. And then, you know, you'll get a six, seven, eight-line paragraph with no punctuation in it. And you're like, what do I do with this? I mean, that's kind of like a play I'm working on right now. It's called We Three. And the sentences, they stop in the middle and they repeat back three words and very much like people talk and i'm just like where's the punctuation damn it <laughs> <laughs> who is this hack <laughs> throw the pages walk off <laughs> and you're just like it's andy he'll come back don't worry <laughs> so uh speaking of walking off you told me in an email i don't know maybe you don't want to talk about it, but you took a hiatus for the last year yeah man um I just got because you know I'm running a business too, and you know working with actors every day, and I just found myself you know because I'm I'm turning forty that was a big milestone for me in my life, and looking at you know where I am in life I'm single I don't have any kids you know my my nieces and nephews look at me like the cool Uncle Andy because he's an actor and I'm like yeah if you were my age you would just feel sorry for me, <laughs> but. <laughs> but uh, I just found myself getting bitter. I wasn't having fun with it anymore, and I'm still kind of working through it. And this is what I'm talking about, networking and meeting people that you like and you trust working with. Because the American formula in theater is, you know, memorize your lines before you go into the audition. Know them cold. And I'm only speaking – this is my opinion. Know them cold. Deliver your lines the way you're going to do them in the show, and there's no real like creative process anymore. It's it's just so production based because we only have four weeks to put up a show, build the sets, get everybody to learn their lines. It's very noises off, you know, and you know everybody's trying to throw their ideas into a pot, and yet it's it's like eating an undercooked stew. <laughs> I guess is the best <laughs> way, you know. I like my carrots and my potatoes soft, but it just seems like. Uh, you know, I always hear about the European models. I don't travel that much, but I always hear about the European models, especially in Russia, where, you know, they'll rehearse a play for six months before they even show it to an audience for a preview. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I wish I spoke Russian. You know, I'm <laughs> mad at my parents because I wasn't born there, you know. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like a wake up call because um, in a lot of the college and university stuff, you spend a lot of time because you're still learning. So you get that camaraderie and you get that sort of bonding. And yeah, if you're only working on a show for four weeks. Yeah, you have to bond really quickly. And, <laughs> and most of it's learning your lines, you know, because not only do you have to learn your lines, you have to learn all of your blocking. And then they throw props at you and costumes that don't fit and you know, you, you bend over and you rip your pants open and you've got to act through it. You know? And it's like, oh, we'll <laughs> fix that. We'll fix that in post. And it's like, mm, no, it's been like that for two weeks and we open tomorrow. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I actually had to rip my pants so that you would fix them. <laughs> but, you know, it, but also when it's all said and done, it's very high stress for me anyway. And that, that's why I had to step away from it was because it was just – it wasn't fun for me anymore. And I do. I think back to the days in Muskegon Community College when we just had so much fun, you know, and the big thing was the pizza party at the end of a show, you know, and we'd all <laughs> hang out. Or, you know, we'd end up partying on a Friday night until one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning after a rehearsal because we had a good rehearsal or we just had fun, you know. But, and that's yeah. why I was like, I, I need to get back to my, my grassroots because you know, I was starting to, you know, get into the bigger theaters here in Chicago, and I still am. You know, I just got an audition offer tonight from the Goodman here that I have to start cramming lines for because I have to be off book for that audition on Monday. And it's like, you know, 13 pages that I have to memorize. And I'm like, that's awesome. I'm going to do my best there. But uh, I always think back to the green room at MCC where we'd, <laughs> we would get in so much trouble because during the show we were joking and laughing so much. <laughs> <laughs> and and Sue would just scream at us. Do you remember what was it? Me, you, and Trent Clarider. I can't. Oh, it was the Crucible when we did the Crucible. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like this serious drama, and we're backstage just making fart jokes. Man, it was. I don't know. I miss them. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, oh, reminiscing. Like honestly, one of <laughs> I remember one of the times that was like probably me and you and Wook and. Uh, Oh, look, we, man, I forgot. Yes. <laughs> we we were backstage during a show and um, we came up with something that I have never told pretty much anyone in the world because I thought like someday I'm going to use this and it's going to be awesome. And of course, it, it's never happened. And, and so, <laughs> but we came up with like our idea and I don't even know which one of us it spawned from, but I just have like coveted this idea and never mentioned it in, pu in public until now. But <laughs> we came up with, we were going to start our own um, pizza uh, franchise and we were going to call the restaurant Pizza Ass. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> pizza Ass. <laughs> and then we just like kept, we kept rolling from there. We're like, okay, you can order the meaty Pizza Ass today. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, All right, I am. Let's see, I'm a businessman, so now I'm going to open that franchise in Chicago here. It's going to be a deep dish pizza ass. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. I'm excited for you. Yeah, you can do the Montreal version of it. What kind of pizza do you guys like up there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to get some back bacon on this pizza ass, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, poor Janelle Atwood. Do you remember her? Yes. Oh, she was so serious, I thought, about acting. and I mean, she joined in with our joking every once in a while, but we were like teenage boys. and 
Megan, she was pretty sophisticated, I think, for us. <laughs> yes, she was. Yes, she was. Yeah. My first onstage kiss as well. Oh, really? Did I bring that up? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, and here's my wife next to me. Awesome. A little glare stare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just work, man. It never means anything. That's right. Actors hook up all the time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. But me and Janelle didn't, and uh, that's, I'm not bitter. Anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's right. You didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so next uh, question. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, I was I was supposed to ask you. Uh, I did something weird during our last show. We talked to a musician, and um, at the end of the show, I told him you are our next guest, and I said, "What kind of question would you have for him?" I thought I was being kind of slick, but sort of put him on the spot. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure I want to do that to you later, but uh, <laughs> he uh, he basically just wondered, like, um, sort of who gave you like the best advice or break, like into like what you think is really started you off. Oh man. That's a tough one. I feel like I'd have a different answer for it tomorrow, but <laughs> yeah, I'd have to say I'd go back to the acting studio in New York and it's the whole, you know, learning how to be who you are. Cause this is kind of what I'm going through now with a lot of film auditions and things like that. Cause I'm a theater actor and you get in front of a camera and they just want to see you as what you always hear. So this guy always, uh, he always told me, he was like, you know, if you could learn to impress yourself instead of trying to impress your friends, then you would be much better off. And basically, he was just telling me that, like, you'll find success when you stop trying to impress other people. Because, uh, you know, we're actors, we're performers, we want to hear the audience laugh, you know, especially theater actors. So sometimes you do things that are less truthful, but yet less moving than actually trying to play a moment serious and you know because and you you'll go for the laugh instead of playing a serious moment and that's the kind of stuff that i like to experiment with now so i guess for me that that's been the one thing that i always come back to so and it's funny because i always saw myself doing comedy and now i'm getting cast always in dramas and things like that or like really creepy characters like i played john wayne gacy a couple of years ago and Got pretty decent reviews for playing a serial killer, you know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, and, and that was he was always ringing in my head. And that that's something I always go back to is just like stop trying to impress people, serve the play and serve yourself. It's like learning how to be selfish, I guess. And that's something that's kind of difficult for me to do as an artist. But I would say that today. If you call me tomorrow, maybe we can delete this and I can change my answer. <laughs> but yeah, and that's that's the thing that has kind of brought me back to doing smaller theaters. Like the show I'm doing right now, I think the audience can only seat 25 people. And I think we'll be lucky if we have three a night. But I feel like I'm doing the art again. I'm not just grabbing plays that are going to get me at the, you know, get me at Steppenwolf or get me at the Goodman. Because you, you do find yourself when you start to get success, 
you know, you're accepting roles so that you can pay your bills. And that's something I never wanted to do as an artist, you know. Mm. And I, I think I wanted to be famous before that happened. And famous to me is like not an important thing at all, obviously. But it's, uh, you know, and I hear this from successful artists. You know, they'll, they'll come and they'll see me in this rinky-dink show and they're just like, oh, my God, I miss those days so much. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, because I just spent 16 weeks working on a piece of shit with an asshole director. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. All right, I guess I'll keep painting houses then. (laughs) It's, I think it's uh, it's important to obviously make yourself happy, like you're saying, and I think it it's sort of counter counter addictive to um, the idea, but I think that's why so many people like enjoyed um, Johnny Carson and. what's his name who has his own late night show now because they often break character because they make themselves laugh. Like breaking is so bad, but like yeah. if they can make themselves laugh, then you know, they're having a good time and you feel better about their performance as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is that uh, Jimmy Fallon you're talking about now? Yeah. Thank you. I, yeah. I yeah. Cause yeah. I, I did not like him on Saturday night live. See, cause that, that's a perfect case for like, you know, I, I think talk show host for him, he's a genius talk show, talk show host. Like the games he plays, he's so entertaining and it's so new and fresh. I love watching him. Like I, I never actually tune in to watch a show, but I, I catch him on Hulu and, you know, right, the same. online bits and yep, things like here. that. And uh, and he's also, you know, he's gotten into the media where you can subscribe so that you get the funny clips every night or the stuff that doesn't air on TV. And it's like, so he's he found what he loves, you know, because on Saturday Night Live, he was funny. But after a while, you just like, you know, you want to watch a sketch comedy and you want to see a character. You don't want to see guys laughing at themselves all the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, at least that's my opinion. A lot of people adored him. But, you know, and he was he's a funny guy. But I think right now, like, I think he's more of an improver than he is a sketch comedy guy. And being in Chicago, you really learn the difference between that because, you know, there's just so much more freedom and it takes, I, I think, a lot more wit to come up with things on the spot than it is to have something pre-rehearsed. But, I mean, they're both equally funny in their own context, but he kind of was not in his context, I think. And now that he's in the talk show host thing, it's like, poor Conan, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, God, oh, he was brilliant too. And where did what happened to him? But... Yeah, it's a good point that um, you know they. The idea that uh, I lost it. <laughs> Conan got screwed. I think. Yeah, he did. That he really got screwed. Yeah, he sh- he really did, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I necessarily would blame anybody. I mean, if I was going to blame anybody in that situation, it probably it would probably be NBC. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people blame Jay Leno, but I think Jay Leno, like anybody, wants to collect a paycheck, and he yeah. likes having a show, or he liked having a show, so he was going to take it back. But, um, well, and he sort of fell to his own argument. You know, I remember that whole thing. He said it's about the numbers and all of this stuff, and then Jimmy Fallon comes along, and all of a sudden. Jay Leno goes by the wayside. Yeah. And, yep. you know, Jay, Jay Leno is a great comic, you know. It's just a, a different style, you know, and they wanted – I mean, I'm interested to see what Stephen Colbert does 
taking over for Dave Letterman. Yeah, yeah, that'll it's, be very interesting. Yeah, nobody's ever seen him out of character, and it's like, well, is he out of character? Or <laughs> I'm really anxious to see that, you know. But, for sure, yeah. yeah. We'll see. But uh, I, I get it now. My brain is back. Um, Came back, <laughs> right? Cool, man. Because yeah. I was running out of stuff there. <laughs> Your idea of. Uh, how you find yourself more in drama. I feel like, um, you know, some of the best um, acting as far as drama that I've seen has been from like comedians. And I don't know if it's because you don't expect it from them or if because they, a lot of comedy comes from within. And so you're more in touch with like your own personal, like embarrassments and dramas and that kind of thing. I mean, Robin Williams, like yeah, was an I, amazing him dramatic yeah. actor. Yeah. And he could play the really wackadoodle, creepy people. Why? Because he made jokes about being wackadoodle and crazy. And yeah, yeah, he, oh man, when he died. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, too, was like a big blow for me. But uh, especially Robin Williams, because he's somebody I always looked up to. I was, I was always like, look at who the best actors are. It's comics, because they can see both sides of a situation. And as an actor, that gives you more choices. You know, you don't want to be in your head when you're on stage. You want to be instinctive and just responding uh, truthfully. But, you know, when you have that ability to see something, you know, in a satirical sense or a serious sense, and then you can take it dark or you can go really light with it, you know, I, I mean, I, I think it – because I remember in high school, I think I was, I was voted most likely to be a comedian or class clown or something like that. And uh, I don't even think that category exists, but it does in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that was popular, damn it. Um, <laughs> Show note, he went to school with like 30 other people. Anyway. <laughs> 29. <laughs> it was a graduating class of 29. Big deal. You went to Reefer Puffer, man. <laughs> well done, well done. Well, you know, we do have to bring that rivalry in. Now, you went to, a, a, I think, a school with more opportunities, but I forget what I was saying now. Bring me back. Bring me back. No, oh, you were uh, you were, you were, were saying, um, we were talking about Robin Williams and comedy and acting. You were voted most likely to be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I guess the point I was going to make is if you came to Chicago and you said, yeah, Andy Luther's really good at comedy, people would be like, what? What are you talking about? He's way too serious. You know, because I always get cast in, you know, pretty dark dramas. But, you know. Oh, yeah. Typecasting for sure. I think the few times in Grand Valley when I, like, sort of stood up because like, I was in the film program, I, the few times I stood up and someone was like, oh, we need someone to play this part, I was like, I did some acting before I went <laughs> into the real world and came back to school. I could do it. And they're all like, no, you really couldn't, Chris. <laughs> oh, ouch. And I was like, no, really? I Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I did one student film, but that was it. So, Ah, uh, film. Yeah. And so, the student film, that'll really rack your confidence, man. Yeah, I bet. That'll really rack your confidence. There was one time I was doing a student film for a kid down in Columbia, and I thought I had this great scene, and he was just like, "No, don't, don't do that. That's really bad." He's <laughs> like, you, you, "You've got to go back to what you were doing before." And I was like, "Okay, it's your film." <laughs> I, I went behind a bush and cried for an hour, but 
I was like, yeah. can I get that cut? Can I get that piece? And he sent it to me, and he was right. It was really bad. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> man, thank you for saving me. Oh, that's that's never fun. It's never fun when, like, a director says, I want you to say it like this, and, like, says the line for you. Oh, and then yeah. And then you go on stage and you do it, and he's like, nope, you're still not doing it. And I'm like, of course <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, it, it's proper etiquette when you get a line reading to punch the director in the face. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just if, if he's going to say that, he's expecting a punch in the face. Because a line reading is like, insulting someone's mother you know while they were talking about their mother it's like i can talk about my mom but you can't so (laughs) it's like you part of being a director is you have to dance around it because i'm the one that's up on stage and going to get booed if i don't say the line right so you just go sit in your chair (laughs) now you can see why uh i'm difficult to work with (laughs) See, I love hearing this part, this side of the story, because I was never an actor, but I did go through the film program at Grand Valley, and I directed uh, two student films of my own. And in both cases, I uh, for the student films that I was producing for like as my projects, I went out and hired, I worked with an agency and hired actors to come in to be in there, because I was like, I... I don't know if I'm going to screw this thing up, but at least I'll have good actors, damn it. The, the, <laughs> the actors will be professionals, so I'll bring them in, and they're going to boost the level of my production, right? Um, but I had no real I- idea. I mean, they try to teach you at Grand Valley, but they sort of try to teach you by throwing you to the wolves um, right. how to direct professional actors. And not having had any real theater experience either, I didn't have that kind of directing that I had seen. So I I don't know how many times I actually read a line to an actor. I'm hoping it's less than uh, five, but I honestly, I don't even recall because it was like, wow, I'm on a set and I'm a film director now, instead yeah. of being like, in the moment and paying attention to everything that was happening. But. Well, that's not really something that happens. I, 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 at least my opinion of film acting is I, I don't – I feel like I have to come in with all my choices. And for, if I had to compare theater to film, I mean everybody always says, oh, I like film or I like theater. It's, and it, you know, film actors say that theater is so much more difficult because you have to do it night after night after night. But it's like catching a baseball. Eventually, you get good at it. Mm-hmm. And with film, you know, it's so broken apart in pieces. And it's like you have to fire up that engine really quick. And you've got to be hot right now and go. Yeah. yeah. And it, you've got to be spot on. And, I, you know, that lately has been my biggest challenge. Like I just had an audition today for uh, Fargo, the second season. And. You know, I've been working on this audition for you know a week and a half, and I went in there and I was ready to go, and I was like, I had my camera angles and everything where I was going to look to the characters that aren't there. I had to talk to a, a wall, you know, or a spot on a wall mm-hmm. or whatever, and then yeah. you know talk to the reader who I found out just got the script thirty seconds before she got thrown in the room to read with me, and it's just like those are all things that you can't prepare for in a film audition, whereas in theater. You know, you walk in and that person, you know, you're probably the 17th person that's gone today and that person had the script for a week and you're reading with a reader that knows the script and they're usually an actor 
but this was literally the secretary. They handed him the script, and I, I was like, great. That's awesome. I've had this thing for a week and a half, and she just got it, and I've got to talk to three different characters in it. This is going to be awesome. How's this going to go? So I always feel like those kind of things for auditioning for film, it's like you've really, really got to know what you're doing. And I obviously still have not mastered it, but every once in a while I get lucky. But I'm hoping I got lucky today. But uh, it's just so frustrating because I, I find myself walking away from those auditions, still reciting my lines and saying, oh, I should have said it this way or this moment didn't come off or I've, I sputtered on that line or sure. I blinked yeah. or I was talking with my eyes closed. <laughs> it's like all of those things because you never get to see yourself in these auditions because they never give you the – you know, how you looked in the audition. So you really can't learn from it. The only way to learn is to buy a camera, do the audition for yourself and then watch it, watch it 20 times. And by that time you've killed it, <laughs> you go in and you're like, look at my dead hamster that I've created for you. <laughs> you always want to bring a live hamster into the room. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. <laughs> I brought a gerbil. I don't get the part. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> yes, we don't like long tails here. Steve, what are you, a theater actor? <laughs> yeah. You gesture too much. I had that as one of my questions, theaters versus film. Yeah. I know it's very bizarre when you have to go from, as I said before, you have to do all these sort of like overly broad gestures and weird things when you're acting on a stage with like a huge audience and then in film like the camera is like right in your eyeballs so they're like don't want you to do anything just look yeah. sad and it works <laughs> like yeah that. it does and then they put music behind it and it works even better and if you can cry <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh you know <laughs> it's like you don't even have to cry anymore just let your eyes get wet yeah you know but uh yeah i mean that's a that's actually the challenge i mean you know, you ask why I'm getting back into it or, you know, getting excited about it again is because I've got a whole new set of challenges. You know, I'm a problem solver and I, I love puzzles and things like that. And to me, this is a whole new puzzle. And I'm like, I don't care if I'm 60 when this happens, I'm going to get good at it. I just hope I'm not homeless at that point. But <laughs> that's what the day job's for, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Or if you're homeless, you know, then you're like really living in a different technique. You're like, I've done it. I've perfected <laughs> yeah. this role. Yeah, but when you're good at something and homeless, they usually think you're on drugs because you're yelling at the walls and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> actors already look like that before they go into an audition. I always love going into an audition room with like 20 actors and there's like three of them talking to the walls. I'm like, man, <laughs> if I had a camera right now, <laughs> yeah. people reacting to a corner in a wall, you're just like, oh my gosh, this looks like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> Let's go. Somebody run some lines with me. <laughs> you got it. You need a small camera. You need to do that because then you can, you know, post like you can start your own sort of celebrity blog like after they made it, you know. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny, you know, if, if you did that like and you had the proportions of people all messed up because you taped it on your iPhone or whatever. You tape it and then you go and stand in front of a green screen later and put all these people here and then you just act something totally weird. Like, you got all these crazy people around you. You're taking like real situations. Don't take this idea from me, Chris. I won't. I won't. Intellectual. You're like, I won't. It sucks. But <laughs> Or I, I did that, Andy, in ninth grade with a video no, camera. No. I'm I'm just an idea man. I don't actually follow through with anything. <laughs> well, that's the problem with most everyone, right? I mean, shoot. 
I can't tell you how many theater companies I've started in my head, and they were all a great success, but nobody's ever heard of them because we never even did one show. 